This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg, and good morning, South Africa. So wonderful to be back with you again. Praise the Lord. By the way, don't miss celebration. We are going to have a phenomenal time. In fact, San Antonio is going to be hooking up with us in Johannesburg. So we can't wait to get there, to be there with you, Dr. Bev and I. And um, we've got great messages for you to encourage you, help us understand the importance of advancing Praise God. Not retreating, but advancing. We're going to understand that we have got power and God's ability and favor and wisdom to move forward and not hide in our caves, but to go out there and fulfill the dreams that God has for us. Amen. All right. Let's... Open our Bibles to Psalm 103, please. Psalm 103. And welcome to all of you in the church building and in the overflow. Praise the Lord. All right, reading from verse 1 and the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, I tell myself, and never forget the good things he does for me. Verse 3, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? That's the loving Father. He forgives all of our sins and heals all our diseases. In fact, he's already done that. 2,000 years ago, we have to accept that as a completed fact, and when the devil tries to attack our bodies, say, I resist that in Jesus' name, don't pray for healing, just stand against the attack. So I have been healed, and I'm not taking it. Verse 4, he ransoms me from death and surrounds me with love and tender mercies. Wow, look at that. This is the heart of the Father. He has rescued us from spiritual death and eternal death in hell, and he surrounds us with love and tender mercy. Praise God. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. Say that, God fills my life with good things. Say that, he renews my youth like the eagle. Praise God. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. None of us who've been mistreated will see our enemies get off free. God will take care of it. Whether in this life or the next, they can't get away with treating people unfairly. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger 
and full of unfailing love. I'm so glad that our Father doesn't get mad at us quickly. He's slow to get angry. Bless the Lord. He has not punished us for all our sins. I'm so happy about that, aren't you? Nor does he deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our rebellious acts as far from us as the east is from the west. Well, how far is the east from the west? Can't be measured. That's how far he's removed the sins that we have committed from our life. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Praise God. Now, this doesn't mean that we are terrified of him, but that we respect him. And if you respect the Lord, that's called the fear of the Lord. And God's tender compassion is ours. Now, I go to Psalm 139. And verse 13. Find that, please. Psalm 139 and verse 13. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That means that God has planned our life Thank you, Jesus. Planned our life for success. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. Say that. God thinks about me all the time. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Praise God. Can we see the heart of the Father in these beautiful psalms? Our message is titled, The Heavenly Father Loves His Children. If ever we needed to know that, it's today. We're living in a world full of turmoil, stress, many fears and challenges and heartaches. And we need to know that the Father loves His children. This is what this series is about. All right, Luke 15, verse 11. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. He wanted his inheritance while his father was still alive. And not many days after... The younger son gathered all together, 
journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living is prostitutes and drunken parties. He wasted all that he inherited. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, now look at that, when he came to himself, that means he wasn't in his right mind. He woke up and said, what on earth am I doing with my life? I'm crazy. I've lost it. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now watch this next line. This is amazing. But when he was still a great way off, when he was still far away, just a dot on the horizon, his father saw him. Just a speck on the horizon. His father saw him and had compassion overcome by love for his son and ran and fell on his son's neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, I'm not having any of that. Bring out the best robe and put on him and put a ring on his hand and saddles on his feet and bring the fat calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. Notice these words. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27, And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. Now the fatted calf was a special calf prepared for special unexpected guests, VIP guests, extremely important guests. They prepared this one calf, fattened him up, to be nice and juicy. But when the, young, when the oldest brother heard this, he was angry, would not go into the party. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. 
So he answered and said to his father, Lo, all these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Now, young implies, you know, like a young goat is skinny, has no flesh on it, not much meat to eat. So you never even gave me a skinny goat. But, and I've been serving you all these years, but this, my young brother, comes home after being with harlots, prostitutes, and drunken parties, and you give him the VIP goat, the fattened one, watch this now. But as soon as your son came, who had devoured your livelihood, your livelihood, with harlots, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Watch that. Everything I have is yours. You could have had a fattened calf any time you wanted it. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See those words? He was dead in sin. All right. Now let's look at this parable. Let's talk about it, think about it. The younger son asked, for the inheritance that he did not deserve. This inheritance was only due to him once his father had died. How the prodigal son insulted his father. He asked for his inheritance before his father was dead. That insinuates, I wish my father was dead so I can get my money. After wasting all his inheritance, he began eating pig food with the pigs. Now, before, I just have to rewind here and say this. You know, the neighbors all knew that this young man took his inheritance and left while his father was alive. That is definitely against all the customs of the land. It's a very embarrassing and insulting thing that he did to his family. And they were very unhappy with this young man, all the neighbors in the little village. All right? Let's think about that as we move along. So this young man wasted all his money on wild parties and prostitutes. And after spending all his inheritance, he began to starve. So he got a job feeding pigs and he was told he could eat the food that he gave to the pigs. Finally, he woke up. He came to himself, came to his senses, decided to repent to his father and to God. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him. Now, let's think about that. That tells us that the father was watching and waiting for his son to repent. Watching and waiting. The fact that he saw him as a speck on the horizon means that the father must have been there day and night, just watching, waiting, 
and hoping to one day see his son come over that little hill in the distance. That shows us the eagerness, the love, the compassion of the Father God. That moment when he saw him, he didn't sit down and wait and clap and shout. No, he ran through the hills and valleys to his son. He fell on his son, kissed him, and put a robe on him, a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and killed a fattened calf. He did four things. Now, each one of those four things are four steps in the process of entering into a covenant. Now, if you've got my book on the blood covenant, you'll see that and you'll know what I'm talking about. I encourage you to get it if you don't have it. So he re-entered a covenant with his son. Very interesting. Even though the father was embarrassed to do that, he was embarrassing himself before his neighbors to run down there and kiss his son and do, do all that for him. In front of his neighbors, he did it, why? To protect his son from embarrassment. To protect his son from embarrassment. Because if he let his son walk up there to his father, all those people, those neighbors with the get around, seen that, and they would have frowned on him and spoken bad about him to among themselves. But to protect his son from any shame, that he should rightly receive. The father refused to allow his son to be a slave in the house, a servant in the house. He insisted on his son being reinstated in full covenant relationship with himself immediately. Now, what can the neighbors say? What can the servants say? This man, this young son, has now got a full covenant with his father. No one can criticize him. The father's covenant protects the young man. This clearly displays God's love and mercy and patience for us. You can't doubt it. You see the father's love and patience and mercy with lost sinners and with us and with backsliders. Jesus is telling us what the Father God is like in the story. The Lord Jesus told us the story to help us understand what his Father is like, what our Father is like. Folks have got this crazy idea that he's a judge, and that's all he is. He's an austere judge. He's out to get you if you do the smallest thing wrong or make a mistake. The devil paints this picture of God in our hearts and minds. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Our Father is a wonderful, loving Father. Jesus tells us what he's like. The Son represents both the lost, unsaved person as well as the backslider. The Father must have been waiting since the Son left home, looking across the hills and valleys, waiting for his Son to come back one day. May I ask you a question here? How much is your house worth or your car worth or anything you own of any value? How much is it worth? 
Your house is worth what someone will pay for it. Whatever they are prepared to pay for the house, that is what it's worth. Now, the lost soul is also worth what God is prepared to pay for the lost soul. A lost soul is worth the same value as Jesus because that's the price God was prepared to pay for the lost soul. That's what he paid. He gave his son to receive us into salvation. That is what God thinks you and I are worth. When you win a lost soul, you are giving God something as valuable as Jesus Christ. In God's eyes, when you win a lost soul for the Lord, you are giving the Father something as valuable as Jesus Christ because that is what he paid for the lost. Isn't that amazing? Now think about that. That's how much worth you are to the Father and that lost soul is worth that you know. If you lost soul, if you backslide that you know, that's how much he's worth. If you really want to bless God, one a soul. You can't do better than that. You can't. You are unique, family. You have your own individual DNA. You have your own fingerprints. You look different. You think differently. And you have a different nature, a different skill set, different abilities. You are different to anybody else in the entire world, past, present, and future. You are different. Therefore, you are not an accident. God clearly thought through your design. So that God clearly thought through my design. Before he created you. That's why God is willing to pay so much to save you. If you were only one person in all the world, Jesus would have died for you. Jesus Iscariot sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We know that. We have many of his descendants in our world today. Many descendants of Judas Iscariot who are willing to give up Jesus in their lives for even less than 30 pieces of silver. I'm reminded of a story of a man who lived 150 years ago in England. And he sold all his great riches and bought a very expensive diamond with all the money that he got from selling all his great riches. And he was immigrating from England to America with his big, expensive diamond. When on the boat, he went up on the deck of the boat and stood near the front of the boat. 
He took out this huge diamond and stared at it in the sunlight. And he watched it glisten. And while he was doing that, he looked up and noticed a crowd of people were standing around him, all mesmerized by this huge, brilliant diamond. The next day, this man went up on the deck and did exactly the same thing. However, the crowd was a lot bigger, a lot bigger. So he got so excited about it, this diamond getting all his attention, he decided to throw it up in the air and catch it like this. The people gasped, gasped as he did that. How can you throw that diamond up in the air? Are you nuts? He did that a few times. He caught the diamond, then he went downstairs to his cabin. The next day, at the same time, he came back up on the deck, pulled out his diamond. This time, a huge crowd gathered around, and he got so excited, full of pride, that he threw the diamond high up in the air, high up in the air higher than any time before. And while the people watched, they held their breath. <laughs> they couldn't breathe. So as the diamond came down, he tried to catch it, but it bounced off of his hand and it went overboard, went overboard. He lost his diamond in front of the whole crowd as they all gasped. The man was crushed crushed and embarrassed in front of this huge crowd who saw, his, saw him lose his entire fortune. He lost his entire fortune, and that moment he realized he's a poor man. Poor man. He owns nothing. How foolish that looks to us that he'd do such a silly, dumb thing. And yet there are so many who are doing exactly that today. Not with a diamond, not with material wealth, with their soul, with their soul. It's up to, up, it's up to us to reach these lost souls, these backsliders, cold and hot backsliders and lost souls, because they are not in their right mind. They're not in their right mind. We've got to help them, shake them out of that stupor, bind the demons that are controlling their thinking, and then tell them about Jesus. Let's go back to Luke 15, talk about that some more. So the older brother would not go into the celebration, even though his father begged him to do so. The older brother was offended he had bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, and pride in his heart. In fact, we, tell, we talk about the prodigal son, the backslidden son, when really the story should be about the prodigal sons, because both are backslidden. The one left home backslidden, but the other one is right there, and he has backslidden in his heart. You couldn't see it, but he was just as backslidden as the other one. 
He did not depend upon the grace and the mercy of God to meet his needs. He insisted on earning everything by his own strength. He wanted to deserve everything and earn everything. He wasn't prepared to depend on the Father's love and provision in any way. He didn't want grace. The older brother was not willing to show any mercy or compassion for his brother. His brother was on his way to hell in a foreign country. He did not rejoice when his brother's lost soul came back into fellowship with the Lord or his father. Did not rejoice. If I really love you, if I really love you, I need to say something that will prepare you for the day you stand before God to be judged. I, as your shepherd, cannot say that I have prepared you for the day that you stand before God on judgment day. I cannot say that I have prepared you for that day if I haven't motivated you to reach out to lost sinners. Your family and your friends should be in church today sitting next to you if they're in the city. Your family and friends should be in church this morning sitting next to you. It's up to us to bring them to church and to disciple them. Sit with them on Christian Growth Seminar. Sit with them on growth track. Get them stable. Take them to a fellowship group. Sit with them until they're stable in their group. I watched a 45-minute video a few years ago, a video about a Spanish lady in Bogota, Colombia. This is a true story this woman told us on the video. She gave her testimony. She told us that she died. She went to hell. I can't tell you the full story, it's too long. She died, went to hell, and then she was taken out of hell and sent it up to heaven. She stood before Jesus. And Jesus said to her, you will have to go back to the earth. I cannot let you into heaven now. Watch that. I cannot let you into heaven now. If I did, you'd go in by the skin of your teeth. Watch that. If I did, you'd go into heaven by the skin of your teeth. The lady asked Jesus, why is that? And Jesus replied, you have not won one single soul and discipled them for me. You have not won one single soul and discipled them for me. Jesus said, I cannot let you come into heaven now because you're coming by the skin of your teeth. 
So go back to the earth and win at least one soul and disciple them. Now, child of God, when I heard that video, I can't explain to you how I was moved with concern for the body of Christ. I would dare say 70% of Christians have not even won one soul to Jesus and discipled them. No wonder only 50% are going in the rapture. We have to recognize how much God loves us, how much he paid for us. We have to understand not only did God create the universe and the earth and then put us in the center of it in his own image and likeness, we have to understand that we chose evil to walk away from God and then God sent Jesus to save us from ourselves. God sent Jesus to save us from ourselves. We have to understand how much God loves us. And if we do, at least we can win one soul for him and disciple them. We dare not go to heaven empty-handed. What an embarrassment that would be. Bring somebody to church. They'll get saved, and then you can take them to Christian growth and to growth track. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 4.35 said, Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends, four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said the harvesters, that's the soul winners, are paid good wages. You and I who win souls are paid good wages. And the fruit of their harvest, or the thing they are harvesting, is people, people brought to eternal life. Jesus said, the harvest is people we bring to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. God is saying, those that sow the seed and don't get a change of heart, and those who reap the soul, both have great rewards, great rewards. So if you witness to somebody that don't get saved, you still get a great reward for that. John 15, 8, and I'll close with this verse. The Lord Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified, that you win many souls, many souls, and bring honor and glory to the Father. This little series will continue next weekend. We're going to learn about the Father 
the Heavenly Father's love for His children. The Heavenly Father's love for His children. Please don't miss next weekend. All right. If you need prayer today, if you are here and you feel like you're stressed out, you're burdened down, worried, you've been beaten up by the circumstances of life, and you want the loving Father to encourage your heart this morning, please come up to the platform. I'm going to pray a little prayer for you right now. God's going to encourage your heart, lift you up, bless you, and send you back strengthened to face tomorrow. Come on out right now. Let God encourage your heart on the inside, on the inside. Come right now. And the pastors are here as well. The leaders are here, here as well waiting for you. And I'll pray the prayer. They can put their hands on you. And also, if you have any other needs, perhaps you need healing, you can come up as well. They'll pray for you in just a moment. They'll pray for you in just a moment. All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. You sitting down in the church, why don't you stretch your hands out towards them? All of you that have come for this kind, this time of encouragement from the Father, bow your heads, raise your right hand to the Lord. And I want the pastor and leaders to put their hands on them, show them the love of the Lord. Now I'm going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear Father, we thank you for these precious children of yours that you love so much. You gave Jesus to purchase their soul. And we know that you love them and want to help them, encourage them, and strengthen them. And you said, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. So we're going to do that right now. Say this with me. Father God, I give you all of my problems, all of my cares, all of my concerns. Once and for all, I lay them at your feet. And I thank you now for taking care of this, for solving these problems. I believe you've got this now. This battle is the Lord's. This battle is yours. I believe you are taking care of everything in my life that needs attention. Thank you, my Father. I know you love me. And now I know you are on my side and all is well. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Give the Lord some praise in the house, family. Could you all kindly close your eyes and bow your heads? 
How many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going, but I hope to go to heaven. Today you can know for sure. God will put that assurance in your heart right there where you're sitting. This is something you want to know. If you're not quite sure, you need to and can have the assurance from a loving Father that you will go to heaven. He has forgiven you and you are his child. So right in your seat now, you can receive that if you respond to God by simply raising your hand when I count to three and I'll include you in a prayer. I'm going to pray if you raise your hand. I'm looking and Jesus is looking. Heads are bowed. This is between you and God. You ready? I'm counting. One, two, three. Thank you. I see those hands. Praise God. Came up for just a moment. Somebody's coming to put their hand on your shoulder now to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray this prayer. All right, everybody say this prayer with me, especially you that raise your hands and all of you watching at home, wherever they're watching from, you please say this prayer too with me and all of us together. All right, dear God in heaven, Thank you for sending Jesus. You punished him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Come into my heart. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. I declare you are my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will live for you with all of my heart. Praise God I'm saved. God is my Father, I am God's child, I am bound for heaven because I believe in Jesus. Well, congratulations, we open your eyes, we love and appreciate you, we're so proud of you for making this decision today. Now, the people have prayed with you are going to take you to the prayer room for just a moment, you'll be there for just a moment, and they are going to minister to you in that wonderful atmosphere of prayer. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com